Welcome to the 39th episode of the Tech Gypsies podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Ken Lane. And we are in uh, Hermosa Beach. We haven't been traveling for a while, but I think next week we will embark on... Well, I guess, yeah, we haven't been traveling for a while, but next week we'll be back on the road. It starts. So it begins. Yeah. Yeah. We're uh, kind of slowly ramping up to uh, some road trips, um, both driving and flying and and then getting back to business as usual here, especially me more than you. Oh, yeah? I mean, getting back to business. I've oh, been fucking, I've been. Fucking I've, off all the holidays. Oh, right, you, right. You've been working. I'm like, wait, I'm back. Uh, yeah, I have, except for this week I had the flu, so I didn't, I didn't. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so what happened this week? What, what happened we... this week? A lot of stuff happened this week. You know, I pulled together some of the stories that we could talk about, and um, I think they all fall loosely under the umbrella topic of, wow, the Internet is awful. Um, yeah, well, let's start with kind of the, I guess, the core underpinnings of that, I think, um, at least for me, why the Internet is... Um, Who's taking the lead on making the internet the most awful as far as we possibly can? <laughs> and that would be the the CIA, the NSA, and the FBI. No. No, um, actually, well, yes, sure. No, the issue is, is it, the I issue mean, is that's the, what's so weird. This is so weird. <laughs> yeah, so um, they, uh, the actual, you know, Obama had asked everyone to go back to their corners and before he left office, come back with a a report on the uh, election hacking and cybersecurity and DNC hack and Trump and all of this. And this is basically Trump's been saying, you know, Trump and the right basically say, uh, this is all crazy. This is, you know, just get over it. The le- we won the election. But basically, um, they the, the top uh, intelligence agencies, uh, CIA, NSA, and then the FBI um, came back and all were in agreement that um, not only was it, it Russia who was behind the hacks, it was ordered from uh, from the top. Um, Putin saying that, uh, hey, disrupt the election, get involved in it. And as it progressed and, uh, you know, they were able to get uh, get uh, high value information like they did in the DNC hack, that basically um, they just kind of kept playing it, spinning it. And they had invested um, a whole lot of resources in the whole disinformation network that we've talked about before, hiring bot army, you know, leveraging bot armies that they had access to, um, leveraging content writers and people, uh, you know, contractors basically writing a lot of the disinformation bots and buying advertising and, and uh, to kind of pump it up. And they influenced the election. And that's well, basically... The, well, t- they, they, the report didn't go that far, right? They didn't say... The, influ- the influence, the oh, yeah, election sorry. was influenced. Okay. Let me cut it off there. No, they did not say that. They said, you know, basically everything right up to that. Um, and they're not making any, casting anything on, on whether it influenced the election or not. But this did, you know, high high levels of confidence, except for the NSA who had medium level confidence that Ru- Russia was behind it and and Putin had, had given the order. Well, I mean, and... Um... So to be clear, I think that the the scope of the report wasn't necessarily to say whether or not this influenced the election. So them not saying that uh, doesn't mean that it didn't happen. And I think it's particularly um, noteworthy, even though, as you said, Trump 
Trump has sort of denied that there was any Russian influence and poo-pooed the thought that um, that the that the um, Russian government was involved in this. Um, he did in the last month of the campaign mention WikiLeaks 164 times. At almost at at every rally he held, at every event he held, he talked about WikiLeaks, um, and and so. Certainly, this whether it was circumstantial or coordinated, the Russian government did not want Hillary Clinton to become elected president. They had a clear preference for Trump, and they certainly were interested in destabilizing U.S. democracy in general. And I can't think of anything more destabilizing than the the flaming Cheeto that will be. Um, will be inaugurated in a couple of weeks. Um, but certainly Trump repeated again and again and again, and his, his campaign lackeys repeated again and again and again that WikiLeaks were, were heroes um, and that they certainly kept the drumbeat of, of this information. And this was, this was, um, this was the, the, the this the dissemination of information via WikiLeaks right is is part of this Russian coordination. Yeah, I mean it it played out pretty much I guess how how it felt like it it, it did from the press and everything that come out. I mean Russia wanted to influence it. They did. They were way more successful than they thought they would. Um, you know WikiLeaks was leveraged. It was definitely a big part of the conversation. So people saying. It didn't influence the election. That's just wacky because there was a lot, as you said, Trump talked a lot about WikiLeaks from the media. early on. Yeah, the media all, did. And the media did all the way up to now. Of course, that, that influenced the election. But then kind of at the heart of the report that came from the intelligence is, you know, the the um, the, the kind of tip of the, the propaganda or the disinformation spear is, is uh, um, RU. RT. You know, Ru- RT, excuse me, sorry, I was thinking of the domain, but RT, Russian Times, and today, and, Russia today. Sorry, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but um, so, you go ahead. No, 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 and I think that this is really. I mean, this is. I think that this is why um, watching some of this play out on Facebook during the campaign was really interesting to see. Um, and, and I still see a lot of stories get shared from um, from RT that, uh, you know, you want to remind people that RT is um, is a Russian propaganda. Um, it is a Russian government, state-owned sta- um, uh, media organization. And although there are some well-known uh, American journalists who now have shows on it, um, Ed Schultz, for example, um, Larry King, that these, that it is, that it is certainly really doing the bidding of, of this larger propaganda machine, right? Which isn't just, I mean, which isn't just spun up again. It wasn't just spun up to elect Trump. This was really, this is really a larger part of, um, of furthering, I think, Russian interests in the world, um, Russian socio-geopolitical interests in the world and destabilizing, um, you know, if you will, the, 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 um, destabilizing the U.S. who's been, you know, I think since the end of World War II, really the leader of, of, um, Western democracies. Um, I mean, what job well done, Vlad. Well, um, I mean, 
you know, the echoes and reverberations of kind of that core propaganda machine that um, it was it was kind of masterful as far as the social engineering that they were able to achieve, you know, getting Western leaning, Western seeming blogs to, to echo what was what the core engines putting out, as well as our own, you know, people on our, our end in our country doing this just purely for profit, purely to get on Facebook, to get ad revenue from it, echoing this. And then hearing Trump and all their cronies, you know, say this, it's like, you know, I'm sure some people, you know, we, we could speculate how close the of ties Trump's campaign had with this. Well, very But really, close. they mean, just, this is where they yeah. get their sources of information and it was being spoon fed to them on a daily and hourly basis. And it's just masterful on how it was it was fed and engineered all of this. And to have people that I actually played war games with in the mid-80s now be praising Russia on social media just fucks with my head in yeah. the biggest biz, biggest way. Yeah, um, it is. I think that the... The the folks who um, who are uh, Republicans who um, who are supporting or or who are not horrified by this um, this relationship that Trump has with um, with Russia it's um, it's really interesting because uh, you know this goes against the last uh, sixty. 60 years of U.S. foreign policy um, from, again, from the end of the, the Cold War on, and that suddenly, um, suddenly Russia's not our enemy is a, is a very strange about face, a very opportunist. Um, and uh, someone commented on, on a Facebook post that I made about this, um, sort of really demonstrates, I think, how the political parties today are not really driven by any kind of clear solid ideology as much as they are opportunists and they want to do whatever seems to be to them to be able to be the most expedient in grabbing power. Um, and so despite, you know, despite the fact that this is, you know, again, that this is that, that the U.S.'s allegiances have been to democracy, to Western Europe, <laughs> to NATO, to spreading democracy, creeping, you know, dismantling communism in Eastern Europe um, since the end of World War II, um, that now suddenly Trump is really asking for an about face. And um, the folks that, that find that not a problem at all, um, considering what we know about um, how anti-democratic um, how anti-democratic Russia is, the policies of, you know, Putin's enemies die, there is no freedom of press, journalists die in Russia, um, there are, you know, laws that punish people who are gay and lesbian, it's, um, it's horrifying that this is somehow, suddenly, um, suddenly Putin is, is our best friend, it's, it's very, like you said, it's, it's very weird, um, and but you know the this coordinated disinformation is really important to watch elsewhere. I mean, I think we've seen the disinformation um, sh reshape a lot of the, um, the certainly the political norms, but also reshape what um, what geopolitics look like and I think it's important to keep an eye on the elections in France where um, Marine Le Pen 
um, who's a far-right um, proto-fascist uh, uh, politician um, is looking to become the leader of that country and in Germany, which I suppose now is the leader of the free world since we've decided not to be, um, and how, how Angela Merkel um, is being targeted by these very same people. I mean, Breitbart just this week had a completely made-up story that Muslims firebombed a church in Germany. Completely fake news right? Complete propaganda to stir up. And Breitbart is now spread, you know, sp spreading into Europe, doing more quote unquote local quote unquote reporting in order to stir up the same sort of nationalist populist fervor through propaganda and misinformation. And again, you know, that's Steve Bannon, who is, um, who is, who sits, you know, who sits right next to, to Trump in the White House. Well, and I think you know, for us to to at all rest and think, hey, they won the election through through all this this disinformation network, this kind of botnet army um, is is over and <laughs> and they won. It's like it's just beginning and it's only growing. They're only using it in new and exciting and interesting ways. There's going to be more Internet of Things kind of botnet um, attacks. I read, I was reading uh, Krebs on Security today, an article from him that he want was going to talk about. You know, kind of uh, uh, the uh, the in intelligence community's report, and but he was hesitant because uh, he ha he didn't really have anything new to add. Plus, he was worried about retaliation because it's such a toxic conversation. And you know, um, to remind everyone, he was a, a a a target of a DDoS attack that was brought by Internet of Things um, devices that basically are being sold to the highest bidder, which happens to be uh, right now, I think Russia. Um, paying these people and these botnet armies um, to, you know, drive bots, drive traffic of this disinformation, drive Facebook clicks, views, all of that. But also, at, in the case of Krebs on security, be used to uh, suppress free speech. And so we're seeing that um, kind of trickle in from, on the Internet of Things side, um, as well as um, WikiLeaks kind of retooling and using their kind of weaponized transparency. And they had said this week that they were going to um, basically dox everybody who was on Twitter and verified. Yeah, this was, I, I never know whether with WikiLeaks, one should use the plural pronoun or the singular pronoun. Because is really WikiLeaks anyone other than just Julian Assange? Right. I mean, I think it's just him. But an account, the WikiLeaks Task Force, which is a verified account on Twitter, um, announced this week that their their plans, its plans, to uh, create um, a, a database that that outlined the family, financial, job, housing relationships, political affinities of all of Twitter's verified users, um, and. I mean, I think it's really important to remember that, you know, Twitter's verified users isn't simply, we aren't just talking about sort of Kim Kardashian and, um, uh, you know, uh, sports figures or, or, or celebrities. It's, this is, this is politicians and this is journalists. Again, um, being really 
um, creating these these tools that, as you said, that are, that are actually about suppressing f- free speech um, and that are about suppressing, you know, suppressing the the work of the work of the free of a free press as well. So, I mean, this just, it's been a bad, it's been a bad, and we talked about this last week with our non predictions for 2017. But Twitter is a dumpster fire. Like, I don't know how Twitter survives this or, or I don't know how we survive Twitter. Right. So, I I mean, this is, it's become at this level where where being on Twitter makes you target for harassment. Being verified on Twitter makes you a target for harassment. The president elect is using Twitter to sort of destroy companies' stock values, to stir up war, to make un- you know, to make these outlandish claims, to accuse citizens, to offer just ongoing nastiness. And so I don't know, I don't know what Twitter, what Twitter does. So, so I mean, I'm, I'm thinking really deeply, I have quite a few stories coming out this week about domains and, and multiple meanings and dimensions of the word, you know, and, but really coming from the API side of things where I'm trying to understand the importance of of the different platforms that I use. And if I take all of this thinking and apply, you know, basically power concentrates at the domain level and the Facebooks and Twitter want us operating in their walled gardens because that generates value for them, increases their ad revenue, blah, 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 increase their stock value, all of that. But basically when we think about how power aggregates and is 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 being distributed in this, I mean, I've got... 10, 15 platforms that I can point at going, these are the key actors, the key pivot points. I mean, they are Facebook, Twitter, Reddit. Um, These are the platforms. These are the domains where this bad behavior is happening. And I mean, just off the top of my head, I mean, it seems like this is this. We have to figure out how to. I mean, just like they're they're overwhelming it, the the bro culture, the um, that we we witness as part of Gamergate, and now as part of this election, and it seems to be kind of the norm. They've leveraged technology on Facebook and Twitter, these domains, to, against us and to crowd us out and and drown us out. How do we how do we exit those domains? How do we not participate in those domains? It sounds like Twitter's got to go away for this fire to be put out. Otherwise, it's burning too bright and too hot. Yeah. I mean, there were several very high profile, um, and I, and high profile is, is key here, high profile writers who announced that they were leaving Twitter this week. Um, uh, the Native American author Sherman Alexie, uh, ta Coates, although he says that he's doing so because he's working on a book. Um, and, uh, 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 the feminist writer Lindy West, um, and she said that you know Twitter had just become a place for you know Twitter is. Uh, she wrote an op-ed in the Guardian that said Twitter is unusual, unusable for anyone but trolls, robots, and dictators. Um, and then just today, Martin Screlly, who is just a absolute piece of fucking trash, he's this pharmaceutical um, executive who bought, I can't remember, was it an AIDS drug? Like bought an AIDS, some sort of drug and like, like increased, like jacked up the the price, like 500 fold. Uh, he's just an absolute, he's disgusting. He's a, he's a disgusting person. Um, he started like harassing and targeting Lauren Duke, Duca, who's, um, Lauren Duca, who's the, uh, who's a um, journalist for Teen Vogue. Um, like, Really Who are just doing amazing creepy, work, by the way. Just was super creepy stalker, 
harassment. And so, you know, what, and I, you know, what is Twitter, what is Twitter doing? There's no transparency. So Screlly had his account suspended, um, right? But we've seen, you know, we've seen these people be suspended and then get their accounts back. Um, and so, you know, like, like Richard Spencer, the neo-Nazi. And so, you know, Twitter is really becoming a vector for targeted, for targeted harassment and then silencing again, free speech and free press. And, you know, you say like, what do we do? I mean, I, you know, Sherman Alexi is still going to sell novels, even if he's not on Twitter. And Lindy West is probably still going to sell books, and she's got a column in The Guardian. She's still going to be read. Um, but for, for for someone like me or someone like you, um, I, don't, I can't afford to not be on Twitter, but I can't actually afford to be on Twitter. Um, and so it's a, it's this, it's a huge dilemma. And I think that what we see in the reflection of, of, um, Twitter's utter inability, utter in, utter lack of interest really until quite recently, utter, utter lack of interest in addressing how the platform was used for abuse. Um, I think it's partially because who the, the people who are building it are white men they are not thinking about they they do they do not live at risk the same way that women women of color in particular people of color marginalized folks political um you know people who are um in danger politically um around the world they just these these like you say these bros like have I mean they and they I don't even know if they're necessarily even Twitter users right and so Twitter Twitter is such a a dangerous damaging place right now um but then you know but then again so is like Facebook is dangerous and damaging in a different but sort of equally powerful way we come back to this dissemination of quote-unquote fake news and propaganda um Facebook did nothing to stop that. And in fact, I think by firing human editors, really let it happen. Yeah. I mean, I'm, this is what I'm doing this week is, is doing another round of assessment of, of my digital self and the, and the services I use and depend on and kind of outlining why I use them. What, what of my uh, digital bits, you know, I track on manage and put there and then, you know, really weighing, is it worth it? Do, you know, in this, you know, this round, I'm really doing it because of a video I'm doing because of what I'm doing with the drone and kind of the art stuff I did over the, the with screwing around images over the, the holiday. Um, I'm doing a lot more images and video. So I'm thinking about licensing. I'm thinking about how I produce, you know, good quality video and, and retain the right. So I'm like, well, I'm not going to put this on Facebook and I'm not going to put this right on YouTube. I'm going to think about it more deeply. So that's a different way of thinking about it. But I really, you know, I'm also thinking about medium this week because, oh, um, right, right. you know, an- another aspect of this is Jack Dorsey, who also is, is the head of Twitter, um, you know, or sorry, Ev, excuse me, I, <laughs> God, I, get, my, I get my people, I, knew, I was waiting for you to correct me there. So I thought um, you were actually talking about Jack, but you meant, you meant Ev. No, yeah. I meant Ev, actually Ev, um, talking about medium and, uh, 
and saying they're downsizing basically you know they didn't they're they're not meeting their goals and their runways kind of ending they're not getting as much investment as as they i think they would like and as as much revenue so having to shrink the platform and i'm just super thankful i didn't move my 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 entire existence within the medium domain medium.com domain like so many people so many of the bros asked me to this year and last year and kind of rallying say hey go operate under this own domain other domain so so really thinking about you know i could ditch facebook and and it wouldn't really hurt me twitter i i can't do so so much but um linkedin um is a similar one for me but these are these are all platforms that i feel like i have a lot of control over from a professional standpoint but from a personal one is a whole different thing and then i'm also i'm a white dude so i don't have a lot of the other layers of problems but we have to start really voting by which of these domains we're going to choose to operate in and participate in and let our bits be be bought and sold and used and or get the fuck out and stop giving these people such a bullhorn from from you know the bros and the martin screllies all the way up to fucking donald trump yeah i mean and i think that the you know the the facebook the the facebook piece um continues i think that facebook I mean, I, I said that this week. Facebook, I think, is one of the most dangerous. Even I think Twitter is dangerous um, to to civic, uh, c- civil, <laughs> civic discourse. In, um, I think that Twitter is this weapon. Is this is a is a site for weaponized harassment. I feel that Facebook is also is is a is a danger to. Um, is a danger also to, to free speech, to free press, um, and to, to democracy, and, and not simply because of, again of the quote unquote fake news thing. But I think about Peter, you know, Peter Thiel, who sits, still sits on the um, on the Facebook board, and Peter Thiel's lawyers, who went after, uh, who successfully sort of sued Gawker out of existence, have turned their focus to um, a colleague of ours, Mike Masnick, who runs the tech site. Um, the website TechDirt, um, which is, uh, I mean, to me, is sort of like the go-to site for for thinking about um, legal issues, particularly around intellectual property. Um, and Mike had written a post a couple of years ago, um, sort of lambasting this guy who claims that he invented email. He didn't invent email, um, but Mike wrote this post, and this guy is now suing him for libel, um, and I think try, again trying to sue. Sue tech dirt out of existence. So we have that. We have that piece at Facebook. But then this week, Facebook also announced that it was hiring Campbell Brown, who's a former CNN anchor, to run its news, um, its sort of news division. But Campbell Brown is a um, education reform. Um, darling, she has an education reform website called the Seventy Four that is very pro charter school, pro privatization, and she's buddy buddies with of all fucking people on the fucking planet, Betsy DeVos, Trump's um, appointee for or Trump's nominee for Secretary of Education. So here I see this, you know, and Facebook is interested in like Mark Zuckerberg is very interested in funding charter schools. Facebook is working with a charter school chain to make a learning management system. They they're giving away Oculus Rifts to schools. They all of this sort of creepy fucking private data being sort of sucked up by Facebook, and of course they're furthering this whole narrative about personalization through tech. Um, and I certainly predict. Um, I think that Mark Zuckerberg has his eye on being ruler of the planet. I mean, if he's not already, 
I think he wants to be president of the United States, which maybe, I don't know if you're going to be ruler of the planet as president of the United States anymore. I think Trump's probably going to fuck that up. But I, I think that Zuckerberg has clearly has political aspirations. And it's really frightening to me. I mean, I think the role of a president of the United States had several less than desirable characters in it that have somewhat devalued the role. Um, but I think after Trump um, op- occupies the seat, I think Mark might be better off just staying the CEO of Facebook. And I mean, he has he has just as much control. And, and, and it sounds like, you know, if he's going after education, I mean, that's the that's the core, that's the crux of, of what went wrong in this election, right? And the whole fake news thing. And if he's able to, you know, get out all of that student data and, and start, uh, you know, changing how, how policy is, is, is conducted at the top when it comes to education, I mean, that's scary shit. Yeah, uh, just to sort of fill in the, the details here, the reason that I think that Um, Zuck has political aspirations is that he very publicly announced um, around the new year that he's no longer an atheist, um, which I think it seems, you know, uh, perhaps he had a spiritual awakening. Congrats. Um, But he's also made his new year's resolution to visit every state in the U.S. and quote unquote meet with the people. Um, So... Laying some some groundwork. Doing a little handshaking, baby kissing. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, I mean, for me, I mean, I have, I've long known uh, Reddit was a toxic domain on the internet, but, um, you know, that's, uh, I don't think the, it, it has touched the mainstream. I mean, it's pretty, pretty entrenched in the mainstream, but I think uh, between Twitter and then Facebook, I think the, the reach that Facebook has in those 26% of, of Americans who voted for Trump um, is, is some scary, scary shit. And the data that they have on the rest of us. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, I don't think that Reddit is mainstream at all. I think if you look at the demographics of who uses Reddit, it's overwhelmingly male and overwhelmingly young and overwhelmingly English-speaking. It doesn't look like the rest of the planet at all. Whereas users of you know, users of Facebook, uh, it's, there is more, more gender parity. Um, and I think that Facebook is a much more representative, Facebook users are far, are are closer to the demographics of sort of the, the, the world. Um, but I think that what we, uh, but what we've brought from Reddit is this culture of conspiracy theory, um, is a culture of, misogyny, um, is a technology infrastructure that is really designed to make harassment super easy, right? I mean, and that's one of the things that Reddit is so good at, like, so good at, like, surfacing people's (laughs) names and then targeting them. And so I think that what we've seen is that that culture of Reddit, that culture of of a Gamergate type of community, um, which is um, uh, really becomes spread to the rest of these technologies, and it's it's because they're built by they're built by men, they're built for men, and they replicate the infrastructure, right? The infrastructure that makes again that makes abuse and harassment so easy, and they're built by people who actually don't give a shit about democracy. Well, I mean that's that's why I definitely stepped away from from my research into the fake news is to see in the scope of of the skill sets 
um, seeming the compute power and then the 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 kind of the the easy way that they're able to sit in 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 their dark corners of the world and get these technologies it's like you said i think this these systems are just because they're they're built with just this 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 capitalist kind of this approach we need to make money that's our focus they they forget about security they forget about privacy these platforms don't care about you know troll you know you know and they're not that concerned with censorship in as long as it serves their their advertising oh yeah no goals. censorship is completely terrible in this in this in that reddit world like you should never have rules like free speech is 100% the the best the most important thing and then what you find is that free speech online actually pr- protects racists and well, misogynists and 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 the the rich environment that that um, affords I think the people who um, the the Trump supporters the people who are you know making this twenty six percent of Americans sound like it's like eighty ninety percent because they're so loud they have so much compute and that backed with a whole kind of cybersecurity air and cloud. You know, that is very much, you know, this Russia fueled as well as, uh, you know, that's why I kind of made that joke about the NSA and CIA at the beginning. I mean, we're just as badly behaved in all of this. And then I have to elevate, you know, beyond Reddit, beyond Facebook, beyond Twitter, beyond this election and remind everyone where was the Internet born? You know, it's it's a rich environment from start to finish. You know, and I really feel like, you know, you hear that the Reddit folks struggle with how, you know, this beast that they have, they don't know what to do with. Um, Twitter's getting like that. Facebook, I mean, what the fuck are we going to do when these things are too big to fail? I mean, how do you how do you pull the plug on that shit? Well, I think our great hope for Reddit is that um, the co-founder is marrying Serena. So maybe she's going to kick kick all their asses. She could take all of them. She could take all Reddit users at once. Nice. I believe it. I believe it. So we didn't get around to talking about um, the Consumer Electronics Show, um, but th- we can save that for next week because I think that like we could probably spend a whole episode talking about um, – stupid, uh, stupid gadgets and, uh, sort of this fetishization for stupid gadgets. And I want to spend some time talking about, um, quote unquote, virtual assistants, um, in the home. Uh, but we'll save that for next week. Yeah. I want to, I want to definitely talk about CES and how it's feeling the, the internet of things is feeling, you know, it's the, it's the rich, rich people who are, who can afford these gadgets are buying them not securing them, and then they're being used by the Russians and these other people to to suppress free speech, do whatever they want. It's just a really, really beautiful cycle, a circle of life. And we'll uh, talk more about that next week. Yep, till next week. <laughs>